Welcome to the Science and Beers podcast with me, Mick Mickey. Talking science and drinking beers with researchers down at the pub. We cover a new topic each episode, so join us with a brew and let's cheers to science. In February 1953, Francis Crick burst through the doors of the pub called the Eagle in Cambridge and proclaimed that he and James Watson had found the secret of life. They had, of course, discovered the helix shape of deoxyribose nucleic acid, or DNA. Our guest this week, Dr. Philip Hallenborg, is an expert on DNA. He has given a, a science and beers talk before on the subject. Philip has his PhD in molecular biology from the University of Southern Denmark, where he has also worked as a scientist in the Department of Biochemistry and Molecular Biology. He has recently swapped that role to act as a research advisor to help other scientists secure funding. This podcast was recorded in July, uh, during our, our summer break, and Philip and myself, we went to a bar in Owensa, Denmark, Christian Fieto, and it was a typical beautiful Danish summer's day with clear blue skies one minute and torrential downpours the next. So you will be able to hear uh, some other people in the pub. You'll also be able to hear the patter of rain on the parasol above us. Uh, but you'll also get to learn a lot about DNA, evolution, gene editing, and Philip's career paths. Not only is Philip a researcher, but he is a novelist, an author. He has two books published on the subject of science, and we'll get on to that later on. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Please consider supporting the podcast at patreon.com forward slash science and beers. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me once again. Thanks, thanks for joining this <laughs> yeah, podcast. Be more than happy to. <laughs> fantastic. It was a fantastic talk. Talk you give at the first season. Yeah, thank you very much. Beers. Yeah, all them years ago. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. No, but I, I still remember it. it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, I've been to some of these talks at for this uh, Forsling Stein. Yeah, uh, that's also been fun. But I think the the science and beer is something unique and. Uh, the mood is, 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 is something different. Well, that's, that's where the alcohol comes in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just add a couple yeah. of beers and you're all good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it always helps. So let, let's let's take it from the top, Philip. Yeah. For, from from the bottom up, what, what is the simplest component of DNA and then how, how is that expressed? So the, the simplest component of, of, of the DNA is, is a nucleotide. So that's a chemical component that uh, holds information about uh, that. So this, the, the assembly of these uh, chemical components, so, so we have four different chemical components, four different letters in the DNA. Uh, four alphabet. different nucleotides. Four different nucleotides in the alphabet, on the DNA alphabet. Uh, AC, 
GNT, they are called. So that's four different uh, chemicals, so to say, that are put together in this DNA string. So, so the, the, the elements in the nucleotides are just slightly different from each other. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. So there, and 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 what you when when we when you put these together, that's the the sequence on how these uh, nucleotides, these elements, they follow each other. That's really the the important. Uh, that's how you store information. So the sequence of these uh, constituents, that's how you uh, store information in the DNA. Uh, Alphabet or the A C T T T G A C T A A. Yeah, the DNA code. Yes. So this whole string of, of these elements, that's the you put this this into these long strands of DNA. So you also sometimes call these chromosomes. And then these certain regions of this DNA, long DNA strands. That's where you have these genes. And genes, that's where you translate this DNA sequence into proteins. Uh, so, what the what the cell does is that it goes in and read these strings of A, G, and C, T, these elements, and then translate them into a certain uh, a certain amino acid that it puts into the protein. So, uh, so upon translation of a gene, you assemble a protein based on the DNA sequence. So, what you, it what the cell does is that it reads three of these nucleotides. And that determines a certain amount of acids. Then the next three letters in the DNA alphabet that determines the next amino acid that goes into the, this protein. And then you have, uh, at one point when you have enough of, of these uh, DNA letters or amino acid codes, then you have what's called a stop codon. And that tells the, the, the cell to stop making the protein here. And then you have this final strand of, of amino acids. And what then what what happens is that the, the, this, these amino acids fold in a 3D structure and make a, a protein that can now perform a certain function in the cell. So going from nucleotides that are assembled one by one into all this long DNA strand, that the cell can then uh, translate into this uh, protein. Uh, that's, that's how the, the, the cell sort of uh, works and, and maintains its function. Okay, and, and can, can, you, can we go over just how much how, how DNA is stored in a cell? Yeah. So so in in. Uh, so you have your your DNA. You have your genes. Yeah. So it depends on what which type of cell. So for for a human cell, you have all your DNA stored in a specific uh, compartment or organelle or yeah compartment within the the cell. That's called the nucleus. So in the very core, you have this this. DNA stored uh, and, 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 and there's all these so we have 46 uh, strands of DNA, 46 chromosomes that uh, is, is mingled in between each other it's actually, it's, it's quite a, kind of amazing that, that within each cell in, you, in your body you have 2 meters of, of DNA So and, and, and given that you have 37 trillion cells in your body so if you put all your DNA uh, it's sidetracking a little bit, but if you put all your DNA after one another, you actually, within one human body, you actually have uh, something that, that corresponds to two times the diameter of the solar system. <laughs> so you really, uh, it's quite, so this very thin strand of DNA can actually spend uh, the solar system twice. Okay. That's, that's, that's really cool. That, that's, a, yeah. that, that's a long book. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> a long book that, of information right yeah. there. 
that, that, that's it's amazing that we have that there. So, but of course, it, it's folded up together all this this DNA, and then the cell can 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 go in, transcribe the the DNA, and then st start making the protein. And 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 depending on 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 which species you are. You, you store it a little bit differently. So for, for human beings, we, we store them as linear strands. Uh, bacteria and so on, they have, the, they have them as, as circular DNA. Uh, and they also have small pieces of, 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 of DNA that they can actually uh, send back and forth to one another and thereby share information. These are called plasmids. Uh, so there, there are different ways depending on, on which species you are and how you store them. So the problem with with uh, with our way of storing it is that when you uh, want to make a new cell and you have to replicate the DNA, so you have to make an extra copy of the DNA. And when you have linear DNA, the way that it is done is that you always lose a little bit in the end of these long DNA strands. So that's why when uh, at at the beginning of embryonic genesis, and you have the DNA. The cell actually extends your, your chromosomes. It puts a lot of, of, of extra information, useless, sort of useless information in the end, called telomeres. So you extend the DNA with useless information, and this is then slowly chopped as, as you grow older. Every time the cells divide, it's chopped. Yeah, you use a little bit of this useless information, and, and then when sort of the you, you get to where you have it, stored information, you, you, this cell can no longer divide, because then you start losing important uh, protein recipes. And, and is and, that death? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's a, way, that's a way of aging. Uh -huh. and, and so that's also... Why, for instance, a cancer cell, uh, which which can divide indefinitely, what it actually does, it 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 reactivates this enzyme that adds these telomeres in the end. So normally, when in our body, this on most of our cells, this this enzyme that adds these extra extensions to the RNA, or it's our DNA, that that is no longer active. But but cancer cells, they can reactivate that, and then they can just keep on dividing. Well, hang on a second. You know my question here is: there, is there a way to like take this 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 part of the cancer cells to extend our telomeres? So that's uh, of course uh, one way of, of of addressing cancer. That is to oh, well, 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 I meant I meant to 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 to, to live forever. Or? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you just yeah, no, but there are, of course people are looking into it, and, and, and uh, some people are. Uh, are trying to do this called biohackers, where they sort of reactivate this this, this enzyme. Yeah. But this, I think there's a thin line between cancer and, and living forever, right? Because so uh, so cancer that's this uncontrolled growth, and, and 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 living forever that's also that's controlled growth, you can say. Yeah. And and we are definitely not there yet where we can uh, control that. Yeah. So some years ago, there was uh, scientists uh, have, have developed a, theory, uh, a method where you can actually take a, a cell in your body and turn it into a stem cell. The problem is that you had to activate genes that are, you know that are cancerous. So, so in order for, so the perspective, of course, that you can use any type in, of, of cell in your body and make a stem cell and then replenish whatever organ or whatever you have lost. But the thing is that, that these cells that you make in the culture, making them, you know, functional cells and making cancer cells, there's a very thin balance. Mm -hmm. So and, and 
So that's yeah. what people are struggling with at the moment. To, uh, so, dear listener, if you, if you want to get into that, that area of research, please go ahead, extend our telomeres without any, any bad consequences. <laughs> yeah, control growth, thank you very much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can, can we talk a little bit about the, the, the discovery of, of DNA, if you, if you know a little bit about that? Yeah, so how it was, uh, the structure and so on. Yeah, well, well, well first, first, first of all, I would say, go, going back already to, to Darwin. Yeah. So, so Darwin thought that there's inherib- inheritable traits yeah. in, in species. Uh, and then you had this, this uh, guy, uh, Gregor Mendel, yeah. who noticed in pea plants, yes. some are tall, some are short. Yeah. If you cross the tall with tall, uh, some of them are tall, but maybe one quarter are short as well. And he and he thought there must be something inside the cells of these plants that is dominant and recessive, and there must be two of them, exactly <laughs> whatever they are. Yeah. And uh, and whenever they combine, the dominant one is always expressed. But if there's two recessive ones. That's the, expressed, and yeah. that led to the short piece. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was all his his laws on on, on the genetics and how uh, yeah. traits are inherited. So I, I find find that an interesting story. In that, that okay, there's a bigger picture. There's something inheritable. Okay, there's something in the cells, and then and then you keep going, and then you're looking into the and what is DNA? Do you yeah. know anything about the discovery there? So so basically, so how you. They showed that the, that the DNAs were was carrying the traits that, that that they could see that they could if it, if they transferred DNA from one organism to another they, they got this new trait that was incorporated in this DNA so that's why how they discovered that the information is, is stored in the DNA but the the function is actually done by the proteins so yeah yeah how did, how did they how did they, so I, I I get where you're coming from you're yeah. you're, you're talking about uh, like gene editing in, in, in cells, yeah, 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 okay. and, and yeah, and gene editing so that sort of moving DNA around between uh, be- between different organisms or modulating with it or modifying in a certain organism, but but when you make a what's called a GMO, a genetically modified organism, you transfer DNA from one organism to the other, uh, and that was how they originally discovered that that uh, that DNA carries information. I don't recall the exact setup of, of the experiment. Mm. But it was simply that they trend either transferred proteins to another to a similar organism or, or DNA and, and then monitored which one got the uh, the new trait and it, so the proteins they they, they have a half life uh, so they, they die right and, and DNA that can be replicated so you can you can still the cell the new cell that got this new DNA will still uh, will, will still uh, if got the DNA it, it will make it's capable of making new DNA and then new proteins. But if you only get the, the proteins, uh, then the, the information will be lost because the proteins have a tendency to die up. So people also like to think of this, this as, as, uh, as, as DNA as a cookbook or recipe book, where, whereas, the, whereas the proteins themselves are, are the actual dish that is made from these recipes. So uh, I'm picturing here now you're talking about about uh, gene splicing editing, like a like a mouse, a fluorescent mouse with an ear growing out of its back. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the, that, that's a strange image for anybody who's never saw that picture. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but that's uh, that's 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 doable today to make. Uh, to it's make it's doable to make a fluorescent mouse with an ear growing out of its back. Yeah, 
So why, the, why would it? <laughs> so uh, people wouldn't just be making these for fun. Of course, it makes it has to make some sales or make some sense. Yeah. So the the fluorescence comes from a, a specific proteins, or spe- one specific protein that you can you can express in these mice. Uh, it comes from from jellyfish, uh, and and that can be used to to track cells uh, within the body or. Uh, or wherever you want to track cells or monitor how proteins move within the cells. So, so, so normally proteins, they move around in the cells depending on where, where their function is needed. And you can, you, can, uh, you can track their motion by putting on this, this green tag and then study them in, in, the, in, the, in the microscope and, and to see how the, the cells move. Because where the protein the sits in the cell is, is really important for its function. And the ear on the back... So that's that's sort of for for a different thing. That's if you want to make uh, if you lost an ear, for example, you can grow this uh, sort of grow it in a dish. Uh, so that's what people are really interested in stem cells at the moment, because what you do is that you make a three D structure of of an ear, and then you put cells from a given patient, stem cells from a given patient, onto this uh, onto this. 3D structure, and then sort of incorporates all sort of whatever holes there are in this uh, porous structure, 3D structure, and then you can uh, at least theoretically transplant it back on the patient, and then they should have a not a functional ear, <laughs> but at least something that looks like an ear. So, well, 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 that's that's a beautiful story. There's me talking about how it just uh, the the madness of making a fluorescent mouse with an ear on its back, and you've just given me okay, there were actual intentions, scientific intentions that would make the world a better place with a, a creation such as that? I think, uh, or at least uh, most, all, uh, it's fair to say that all scientists uh, have this motivation that they want them to make the world a better place. Indeed. I haven't met anyone that, that's not interested in that. The, the unfortunate thing is that that picture got a few headliners with a few questions about why, why would they do that? Yeah. Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but there are some, uh, there are of course, if you just look at the, this weird my, mouse, that it, it, it doesn't make sense. But there's, there's a, of course, an idea to it. But it, 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 it's amazing though, that uh, we, we, we've learned that, that DNA is the, the, the code that, that makes all biology. Whereas in, in modern times, the past few decades, we're able to read that book, read the instructions, and then take little bits that, that we need yeah. to improve things, to improve instruments, or to improve our, our, our health, and then yeah. take it out and put it into into something else yeah. a very popular tool is called CRISPR so we go in and manipulate one single uh, uh, letter in this DNA alpha code so and, 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 and that we is used every day in, 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 in labs around the world uh, to, to manipulate DNA mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and do experiments and, and that's and that, that's the way we uh, gain a lot of information by manipulating DNA Okay, so, so 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 CRISPR, you know, you take something out, and then okay, does this does this protein still function? No, it doesn't. Okay, yeah. so so then we know that that, that segment that we took yeah. out that code for that, that yeah that that, 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 that single so you actually go in and and manipulate one DNA letter, and that turns into one amino acid change in that protein. So that means that that this specific amino acid in this protein is really important for that protein to function. Uh, and and uh, the technique is, is sort of it's not super difficult to uh, well it's, it's difficult to use but uh, but but you can use it uh, uh, you can use it with whatever DNA you have that means that you can also do it on human DNA 
uh, so you can ma- manipulate human DNA. And there was actually a, a Chinese scientist who did that uh, some years ago. So what he did was that he made uh, embryos that were resistant to HIV, the virus, and then he made uh, he had two, uh, two genetically modified human beings born. So actually, they, later it turned out that there was three uh, babies born genetically modified, and that's uh, that's that's nowhere to go. So we are not at that stage yet. So the problem is that, that using CRISPR. What, what is the status of these three individuals? What is their health status? Uh, so far, I think they, they are okay, uh-huh. uh, but but they're still young. So I, yeah, they're two years old, one or two years now. Uh, so, but so uh, so, what he did was basically just make them resistant to HIV, which yeah, it shouldn't affect their well-being. But the problem is that, that, that this CRISPR is, is not uh, flawless. So, even though you aim to only modify one uh, DNA letter, you're not certain that it it doesn't modify elsewhere. And this, uh, mm-hmm. so we have these billions of, of, of uh, these DNA letters, and. It, the problem is that this method also can accidentally modify uh, other uh, DNA regions unintentionally. So it can make mistakes otherwise. And, and that can be in, in proteins, for instance, that are really uh, important for protecting us against diseases or against cancers and, and so on. So. But, but, but we're bringing in uh, like a hugely ethical topic right here. You know, So if you can prevent... A, a, a disease. Yeah. Do you do it? Yeah, that's the, the, the wording of that question. <laughs> it was maybe unfair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no I thought you made it a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, 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 but that's it, it's important to discuss these, these ethical aspects of, of DNA manipulation. So the tools are there, but we just have to keep in mind that they that they, that they also make mistakes. And, and more and more studies are. are Popping up showing that they actually made more mistake, mistakes than you actually expect. So, uh, so there are. Uh, yeah, but, but just like the ability to uh, to 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 read the, the, the human genome has improved in, in remarkably in in 30 years, so too will the ability to manipulate DNA. Yeah, I think so. Take take, take away the 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 genes that, that might cause some diseases and also to add genes for specific traits so yeah. for example intelligence or athletic ability yeah no but that's uh, this eth- ethical aspect right should we make these uh, designer babies that uh, uh-huh. are smarter than us and, and, and look better than us uh, so so there's a whole lot of ethical uh, to this DNA modulation especially of, of uh, with respect to human beings it's a little bit different with with with, with plants and, and and lab animals. So there, for lab animals, it, it's done every day that we do these manipulations. But that's more to learn about how nature works, and not, and not to set a new species wild in the nature that are are gonna outcompete the ones already living in the wild. Mm-hmm. So that's in the lab. It's only to learn about uh, about nature. But but when we do a Genetic modified human beings—that's uh, a whole another story. And and with the with the problems that these techniques still have inbuilt them within them, that then it's uh, yeah, there's still issues. Mm-hmm. So 
but but I, I still think we can. So there's an idea in in, in in using stem cells that we've talked about in the beginning to uh, if, uh, to for organ replenishment. If we if we lost an organ, then you can ideally grow a new organ in in, in a petri dish in the lab and yeah. then put it back in this this human being. Or, or also for yeah, what do I know? Uh, neurological diseases like Alzheimer's, where you lost neurons and so on. So so. So, so to me, they sound like uh, sound like good things. Yeah, no, no, but that's uh, but that's that's not Im- improving uh-huh. uh, the human being. It's more restoring what was lost. But they, they're also sound like good things that are only available to those who live in a country where the healthcare might provide them, or they have enough personal wealth to pay for them. You know, so it kind of brings in a, a bit of elitism there to yeah. to genetic. Modifications, exactly. As would say the de- designer babies issue. Yeah. But it probably goes as, as it did for the DNA sequencing. Right now, uh, that in the beginning it was extreme, extremely expensive. But as 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 these tools become more and more often used, the the, the price also falls. Yeah. So, but this field is moving so incredibly fast that uh, you have no idea. So I started in in studying in 1990, and and that was. Yeah, there wasn't any uh, DNA sequencing to to the extent that we have now, and, and it's for, especially for DNA sequencing, it's been moving extremely fast. So, so 1990 was that was that the Human Genome Project started? I, I don't recall the exact date when it started, but but it, it, it was going on for several years to get just get this uh, one uh, human genome that costs yeah many many uh, billions of dollars, mm-hmm. uh, and now you, you you do it on an everyday basis to these sequencing. Uh, so I think that took more or less ten years to get from this super expensive stage to this. Uh so, so, so whenever they're they're trying to, the, so the Human Genome Project, they 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 were trying to read the entire instructions of all the DNA in. Did did they have a a, a range of different humans, or did they just choose one or or what? Uh, do, do you know off the top of your head? Yeah, no, no, actually I don't, <laughs> but. Yeah. Uh, so, by the way, it, to make sense, I, I guess it would, it should have to be the same DNA because we all got. Uh, so our our, uh, our DNA is very similar, but there are still small variations between humans. Uh, and for it to be complete, I, I guess they should make. They, either they should take from from one person and, and make that sort of the golden standard, or it probably make even more sense to take from several uh, people sequence and and then s- sort of take the average of, yeah. of those. So they they sort out these uh, few uh, variations that we each individually have. Yeah, yeah, but but back then, if if it, you're talking like billions and billions to do, yeah, to, yeah. to do one, and then you you, you got to make it uh, viable, so you needed to bring in a few more. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, but but, so, but, but they, yeah. To be honest, I don't know the exact but, setup for that one. Uh, but, but since then, the cost of of reading an entire individual's genome yeah. has, has dropped yeah. significantly, tremendously. Yeah. Uh, do, do you know anything about these uh, ancestry tests? Not the not except the ones that. The, so there's a few pe- uh, persons in, in in my former lab who who uh, sent DNA for that, and and just yeah got got results back. So 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 I think what they do is is what they look at at, at what's called SNPs. So that's small variations in in, in certain number of. SNPs, that's a, it's called a single nucleotide polymorphism. So that's a variation in, in one single DNA letter. 
uh, and that varies. So, so, so in, instead of going through, through the entire, I don't know, billions of, of, uh, of, of letters in the DNA code, yeah. they're, they're just looking at se- segments. Yeah, they, yeah, they're looking at segments that they know that vary a lot between uh, between people from different regions of, of the world. Or, or, or some are the, making you disease-prone if you have a, a, a change in, in, in one uh, single nucleotide, it's called, one, one letter. If you have one uh, mutation there, you, you're actually more susceptible, for instance, for, for diabetes. So they are, there's a lot of effort going on today to, to map these, uh, these uh, SNPs to see, uh, to find out which one are making you prone to uh, mm. a, a number of diseases. Yeah. Um. And that, of course, you can use to do this uh, genetic testing for that, of course, insurance companies like to... Uh, so they can they can decide if if they want to insure you. Are they are insurance companies asking for that? No, but, uh, but, but I don't think but, at the moment. But but, but if if like I I did do a genetic test and I uh, went to um, a, a company and I, I sent it away and but then after I sent it away I started to worry you know like did I just send away you know not just my my social media data but my my actual internal data <laughs> yeah. that that a that a insurance company could you know does this guy have any in, yeah. inheritable no, but yeah, diseases that's, or of course there's whole ethical <laughs> aspects of, of, of looking into your DNA that's this uh, because when you do submit to these ancestry tests so they have this sort of basic package where you uh, uh, yeah just sort of get your sense ancestry where, where you come from and who you are where your DNA originates from or where you are originated from but then you can on top of that you can also buy a sort of a health package so they can screen yeah. you for uh, if you're prone to a, a variety of diseases and of course if, if insurance companies start to to request that if you want to insure people that's that's, that's a very bad bad way to yeah, go yeah. down there but that's very bad uh, way to go yeah. it, it's also since I did send the test I was also kind of doubting whether you know the, the, how it works because the reliability is only as good as the amount of people that have sent in their DNA. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you follow, like, human evolution, we, we, we've all had a, a, a shared, like, journey from Africa to Asia to Europe, you know, whereas uh, mine didn't go further than, you know, Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. A little bit finished, but that's about it. And I'm, I'm certain that somewhere down the line, uh, I have ancestors from other places. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? No, but I, I think that when the further they're able to go back, uh, so of course, if but as you said, we all originate from the same pool and in, in, of, of people in, in Africa. Uh, and I guess if 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 you want to, to track further uh, back in time, you have to uh, do DNA sequencing of of, of, uh, of these. Uh, Corpses that are found, you know, from people living yeah. back in several thousand years in Egypt and, and so on, further along back in time, like like well, for instance, well, Escavillasle was doing in Copenhagen, this famous DNA uh, yeah, professor. He, does he want? He wants to bring back a woolly mammoth. I I don't know if he's. I, I, he, I, I saw a headline there someday, yeah. and, and you can't trust the headlines. No, no. <laughs> but he would have the knowledge to do it, or at least. Uh-huh. Uh, he probably have mammoth DNA in, in, in his uh, in his bank of, of DNA. Yeah, and the mammoth DNA sh- wouldn't have like degraded in in the several thousand years since uh, it was. Oh, so, so the, uh, the advantage, yeah, the advantage it is that 
for DNA that it's it is stored in in, in ice because it it, it gets de degraded at, at what you would say room temperature or this normal temperature around uh, uh, what we have here. So, but but yeah. actually, so people are starting to look just, into just like in that documentary Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but 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 people are starting to, or scientists are starting to use uh, proteins uh, to uh, to to sort of go back to the the DNA code because some proteins are re are really uh, are really stable uh, and they can stay they are stable for millions of, of years and if you those you can use uh, another tool instead of DNA sequencing it's, it's called mass spectrometry and there you you sort of outline the sequence or the how these proteins are assembled. So, so proteins are assembled from uh, from amino acids. It's called. So that's you have these uh, 20 different building blocks that are, are, are assembled into proteins, uh, and 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 some of these proteins are, are super stable and, and stable for millions of years. So, so if you get the protein sequence from uh, from these million years old uh, remains. Then you can actually go back and, and, and if, if you get the protein sequence, then you have the amino acid sequence, and yeah. if you have the amino acid sequence, you have the the DNA sequ yeah. sequence. Yeah, because it it, was, it has been outlined how. Uh, so DNA sequence comes in when when you have a gene, it comes in in, in sections of, of three, so that's called codons. So I need three letter of DNA that's translated into one amino acid. So if you have the this one amino acid, you can actually go back in this table of. Uh, of the DNA letters and figure out how the, the DNA sequence could be. So that's one way to go back and and, uh, and build yeah. uh, a, a being that's even older than you have DNA for. So that's... Uh, w would you like to see a woolly mammoth in the wild? Uh, <laughs> it, it could be fun, but uh, so so my point of view is that that, that science should also have a sort of a, a medical Which, aspect. Uh -huh. So. Uh, but, but of course, it, it, it would be amazing to uh, yeah. <laughs> to see such a, a thing. But but going back further, dinosaurs are too long ago. There's no there's not there's no proteins that can that can survive that. No, we're not going to see any any dinosaurs no. brought back. No, no okay. they they went extinct yeah 65 million years ago. So that's, that's uh, okay. That's a long time. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's too far. Well, let's just take the opportunity to go back to to like we're talking about ancestry there. So if if we go back, we're, we'll find our, our, our ancestors come. We have a shared ancestry in, in, in an ape. Then we go back further still. It's, it's a fish. We go back further still. There's, there's uh, complex microorganisms. We go back further still. There's less complex microorganisms. And then we're back to the start of the world. Yeah. <laughs> 4.5 billion years ago. Yeah. And, and Earth is a, a barren land raiding asteroids are coming from above there's there's hot magma oozing up from the, from from deep in earth crust and there's there's a there's a sea there's an ocean yeah and do, do you have any like the, the, this is entirely speculative yeah. uh, nobody has the answer for this I'm sure like but but do, do you have any ex explanation or, or your your best idea about where DNA this 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 code that codes for all biology, where, where that came from, how that started. So there has been, of course, some some studies on this, and, and as you're, you're perfectly, uh, as you say, there's no ex proven experiment that, that that's how it, it was. 
but uh, I think there's a general consensus that that most people think that there was uh, it started with uh, what's called RNA. So when RNA, that's an intermediate between DNA and protein. So when you when you have to make a new protein, the DNA is is translated into uh, this intermediate called RNA, uh, and then the RNA is, is further. Uh, no, so sorry. The DNA is transcribed into RNA, and then the, the RNA is translated into protein. And and there's a lot of evidence that that points to that that RNA was actually there was this RNA world to begin with, that that uh, uh, that 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 where life originated, and then it, it, it at, at some point in time you got this more stable DNA, and that's where you then stored your recipes, and then RNA became an intermediate. So the, the advantage of, of RNA is that it actually has uh, enzymatic activity. Some of these, you have a whole lot of variety of, 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 uh, of RNAs, but some of them have enzymatic activity. And, and enzymatic activity, so... so no, en- enzymatic activity, so it can actually perform a function. So an enzyme in the body is uh, normally a protein that, that exerts a function. It converts one molecule to another one, for example. And that's how the body works. So when we metabolize the food, it's a whole lot of enzymes that, that process what we eat into uh, to chemical energy that our body can use. So that's enzymes doing this. And there, there's some evidence that point to that RNA uh, also can perform uh, uh, this uh, enzymatic activity. Also that it can self-replicate. So if you have RNA, uh, it can actually make copies of itself. So some of the RNA can. Uh, so, so, so the RNA itself can act like an enzyme to, to like uh, make to catalyze chemical reactions. Yeah, and also, uh, yeah, and, and make copies of itself. So that's also really important for instance mm. for life to begin that, that you can actually make identical copies. And there, there are some indications that in this what's called this primordial soup, as you just described, this uh, this terrible atmosphere with, with there was so there was uh, yeah. There was no oxygen. There was uh, ammonia, and, and it was really hostile. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was really hostile. It, w- it has been shown that in this, if you make sort of a, a similar environment in in a, in a closed tube in the lab, you can you actually can start building uh, these RNA molecules. It should also be said that that you there has also a very famous experiment from '52, I think it was, that where where they. Uh, boiling water and let in uh, methane and ammonia and, and uh, those gases sulfide and then and, uh, put electrical uh, shock to it so this sort of mimic lightning they could actually build what they showed was uh, f- five amino acids these these building blocks for, for proteins and later uh, recently the, so the tubes from from uh, back then has actually been kept and today with modern analysis they could actually see that they uh, they managed to to uh, to, to make 23 amino acids in this experiment. So sort of all the building blocks that that that, that are still needed to, the, the are used to How many amino acids are there? So normally there's, there, there are 20 amino acids, but 20. then you have uh, different versions of chemical, different versions, but the... the 23. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's probably more, So but there are a variety. But that the experiment, they, they could make 23 experiments, so, uh, amino acids. So, so, so that's interesting because, because so amino acids, can actually form themselves without biology. Yeah, b- yeah. Based on that uh, that environment back then, they could do it. And in this uh, in this experiment where they m- were mimicking the situation back then, they could actually form this mm-hmm. amino acid. So that's why. It, so most people believe in the RNA uh, mm. world. 
And okay, okay, so, so yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's, that's, that's very interesting indeed because you know the RNA has the instruction to build amino acids, but then you can have amino acids in the environment. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also so another point that really uh, favors this RNA world is that this complex that translates the RNA into protein is called a ribosome. Mm. So the, the, what's called the active site in this uh, in this whole complex. So that's where the, the enzymatic function is going on. That's made uh, of RNA only. So that's there. Everything that goes on there is is, is co- controlled by an e, by RNA. But so the whole ribosome unit today is is a merger of protein and, and RNA. But the, where the stuff really happens, they have RNA. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's that's favoring the RNA world hypothesis. Yes. And then at some point after that, uh, do you think that? the first microorganisms could have lived with RNA in their cells instead of DNA yeah that's that's very likely that, that, that's the yeah but the it is but uh, RNA is much less stable than DNA but there are for instance there are viruses that are that are have their genetic information stored in, as RNA uh, and then that 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 get copied in, in uh, whenever a virus infects uh, a cell, it makes copies of itself and makes makes more RNA, and then these the new uh, virus particles are assembled uh, mm-hmm. with RNA as the genetic information. Well, let's talk about viruses, because yeah, how far back do you think viruses go in our four point five billion year history on Earth? Uh, I think they go, uh, they go, they go pretty far back. Yeah. Um, so cl- close to the beginning of biology. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it, it, of course, th- it's it's hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's possible that somebody had really done some, uh, you know, uh-huh. digging into it. But uh, yeah. But how far back they go, I, I don't know. But there are there are, there are some. I think there's called transposons within the. Uh, Within your your DNA, so that's basically just small pieces of information that, that jumps around in your. Mm. Uh, so that's also sort of a. So, so viruses, they 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 do what everything else in biology does. They, they replicate. They replicate the code. Yeah. And they do it. They do it well. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them are really uh, really efficient. Yeah. Too efficient for, uh, for our tastes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that yeah. So that's basically so evolution is about all about copying your uh, your DNA. So as an evolution success, so evolution is success. You can say that's measured in, in one uh, parameter that how much DNA you got of a of a certain species. The more DNA you have, of course, that putting a little bit harsh, but the more DNA you have, the more evolution is successful you have. So that's why humans. The, the, Okay, I haven't heard that before, actually. So the more DNA you have in... No, 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 not the amount of DNA. So the number of copies. The number of copies. Yeah. So the more uh, sort of life being of... of, uh, of More copies of of human beings, the Mm. more evolutionary successful you can say that we are. That's one way of... Oh, oh, the the more babies we have. Yeah, yeah, but... but, uh, (laughs) So, so, but we are an evolutionary. Yeah, we have an evolutionary success because we have, uh, 
we keep expanding in, in numbers and we sort of taking over the uh, the world. Uh, yeah, but you, could you not say say that viruses are doing that uh, better? Yeah, yeah but uh, so you can also argue uh, which one are, uh, uh, which one are most successful. Yeah. So some of them, I read a, a book called Homo Sapiens where he argued that that weed was actually domesticating people because so what what we're doing now is as we're really taking care of the uh, the wheat plants and, and make make sure that they are planted all over the the place. Yeah. And, and really nurture them. And, and if it wasn't for us, there would be hardly any weed, pl- weed yeah. plants. But we're, but we're cultivating weed plants, so weed plants have it all figured out. Yeah. So they are. Uh, yeah. They are and we're, we're we're tool, tools for the wheat plant. Yeah. But but so, also, uh, but also if, if you look at the, the like our ancestors, you know, from the the, the archaea, the, the first bacteria, they're they're still around, you know. Yeah. They've changed a little bit. So they've changed a little bit for sure, but uh, they're 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 still around, you know. They haven't changed a lot in yeah. in billions of years. Yeah. Oh, that you can also say, a, a, as an evolutionary success, that they they have made something really, uh, really solid and, exactly. uh, and still works. around. Yeah. No, well, well, there was no need for anything else. No. <laughs> so, Richard Dawkins, nineteen seventy-six, the selfish gene theory that that we're all all biology is just mere vehicles to carry the code. Yeah. The, so, the, the life can be, you know, summed up as just a movement of the genetic code yeah. from one generation to the other. Yeah. That the like genes, genes only think about themselves. So, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, so I read the book and I, it's it's uh, it's an interesting way of looking at it. But uh, I think it's more philosophic than than, uh, than, than anything really useful uh, approach because, yeah. But it, it's an interesting idea that the, that the genes just make... They, Make make sure that they are, f- are f- copied, and then they mm-hmm. just have to make sure that they invite the right environment with with other with other genes. Well, in the human society, it's very complicated because we have culture, yeah. culture button that, that dictates what is right and wrong behavior, uh, dictates you know how how we live. But but I guess if if you look at uh, any other species, you can see okay, they're they're in a way programmed to. Find food, find shelter, find a mate. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So this, uh, I know that Richard Dawkins really claimed that this altruism in, in, in amongst animal species that's uh, it, it doesn't really exist. There's no true uh-huh. altruism. Uh, so, what you do is that that oh, the one that really takes care of the species is, is uh, the one uh, or your your ancestors directly above your, your your sort of mom and dad or or grandparents. That's in, a, in the animal world, that's really they are protecting their own uh, off, off, offspring, mm-hmm. but not uh, not anybody other from the, that species. Mm-hmm. So it's only your your very own gene pool that that you really want to uh, to make sure that it is, it is preserved. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. But th- but then in, in a social society. If you help other people, they're going to they're going to help you. They're yeah, going to return yeah. the favor. Yeah. You know? And uh, we're 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 it's a mere fluke that we're living in cities right now. Didn't have time to biologically catch up on no. living in cities. No. 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 So that's yeah. That's also uh, one debate now. If 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 uh, evolution is is if we have put that to a halt, but but uh, the thing is that evolution really takes several thousand years to uh, to uh, to adapt to changes. So it's it's. So, uh, so we can look at the past 
few generations and say that we have sort of put evolution to a stop because uh, yeah it takes many many years before we can really monitor and say anything about that mm. so yeah evolution really takes generations of, of, of a species time and, uh, so that's it takes many thousand years because before we adapt so that's also why, why uh, uh, people believe there's so much obesity these days because there was we have what's called the th thrifty response so in in some ways we are still cave people in in uh, in uh, genetically speaking so that means that 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 our body is, is set to it, but that when it sees food it really has to preserve it because it, it's not certain that there's going to be anything tomorrow mm -hmm. and that's a problem today where there's surplus of food because whenever we eat, it, it, our body really makes sure that it, that it, it, it stocks up and, 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 and build these adipose stores so that we have this extra food. Yeah, it also gives us a desire to have that uh, yeah, yeah. that kebab. Exa yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, even though we know it's not good for us. Uh -huh. Because uh, yeah, our body really strives to, uh, to build up uh, extra energy when, because it, it's not so sure there's going to be anything tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So... And that's something that we inherited from, from back, from the cave, cavemen. Whenever we had to, to work for our food. Yeah, yeah. when when, when f uh, food supplies were less, much less certain. Yeah. That, so, so, so that's a, that's a perfect example of how, how uh, we have moved way faster than evolution. Yeah. Can so. I get another another beer? Uh, yeah. scientist, an academic, uh, you're an expert in DNA, but you've also wrote a couple of novels, yeah. fictional novels, yeah. <laughs> with with a lot of scientific input. Yeah. Can, can, can you tell me about them? You, you, your first one, um, when was that published? So that was in uh, 2016, uh, So uh, and it was something that I've been working on for, I don't know, four or five years, so it's... So it sort of annoyed me that there was uh, people really exploiting science when they were writing uh, writing novels. So they were over-exaggerating what you can do with, with uh, science. For instance, there's Dan Brown in Angels and Demons. He has this little container where he has antimatter. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you can't have that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I sort of... So I always wanted to write uh, a book. And then I, I decided uh, if, I, if I should use my knowledge, how bad can I really make it? So... <laughs> So, so what I uh, uh, wrote in in uh, in oh, I saw a new oh, I saw a new heaven and I saw a new heaven. It's called. Uh, it, it's it's in, it's only in Danish at the moment. Uh, so actually, it is uh, we translated together with an, actually an Irish colleague. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. it's available on on, on Amazon as, but there it's called Cortum. 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 Yeah. With, with a with a K. C O R. C O R U M. D O F. D O D D U M. Yeah. Okay. Cortum. Yeah. Uh, so there, I, I, I really wanted to make uh, the worst scientific experiment you could uh, imagine, and that was, of course, uh, yeah, uh, killing people using using science, and uh, and as many as possible. 
Uh, of course, <laughs> of course there's, an, there's an angle to it, so uh, it's sort of has to make uh, make a little sense in, in, in the book. But it, it, I don't don't want to give too much away, but but uh, a SARS virus did did feature in the book. Yeah, four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it is it, it is so it, it's based on uh, so there's a lot of real science in it. So uh, I draw parallels between uh, the virus that that I made in the book or uh, yeah came up with for the book, and then the real viruses like like SARS, uh, mm. which uh, yeah was uh, yeah that so that existed in, mainly in Hong Kong or or, or East Asia. Uh, in the start of this millennium, and it, it uh, yeah, it, I, I had a personal vendetta against that because at that time my, my brother was in Australia and we were planning to go go uh, go see him, but when uh, then SARS took over uh, and 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 we heard rumors that that some planes were kept in quarantine in our Australian airport for 14 days, so we didn't dare to, to to fly to Australia at that time. Wow. So, but that was my. I, I haven't heard about that with the with the most recent um, SARS outbreak. No, no, Corona. Yeah. No, but but that so, so, so that motivated you to, to write the book because yeah. So <laughs> I had this personal uh, <laughs> grudge with the <laughs> with SARS. No, also <laughs> I don't know. It was just uh, I just wrote that into the book just for my own sake. But, uh, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. No, no. So the motivation. So uh, when I was whenever I was a, a kid, I, I've been reading many, many, many novels. So so I always wanted. To, to make one my own. So um, I just had to came up with a story and, and that's sort of developed. Uh, it took some years to, at the end of my PhD and, and afterwards when I was a postdoc and then I started writing in, what was it, 2011 or 10, I think it was. Uh, and then uh, sort of, in the end it took a long time but then you sort of get the feeling for it and then yeah. you, you can speed up. Well, well, you, uh, you did because you came up with the second book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but things are moving uh, faster now. When, uh-huh. uh, yeah. when sort of you learn the, uh, how to do it, and then also how, how I, I make myself most efficient. You know why? I, I, I need to have a table where I say, this week I have to make write this number of words and so on. So I have a sort of a schedule to push myself. But but still, it's uh, yeah. The second one is also about science. It's actually about evolution. But uh, well, I, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed a quote about the book. Fenris is a story about evolution and what can happen when people misunderstand the most fundamental law of nature. Yeah, oh. yeah. Oh no, yeah. Because uh, so the scary thing is that there's a movement, that, and that's mainly in the U.S. that evolution is not true. That uh, that there was this divine thing that, that, that created life on, on earth uh, so and, and, and that's sort of I don't know if it's scary but it's, it's they're teaching this in, in school that, that kids don't really learn about evolution anymore and I, I think that's that's scary because it's a fundamental aspect of nature that, that so it's it's simple to uh, to understand for even for kids that that the most or the best adapted one will actually be the one succeeding in making copies of itself or, or proliferating. And 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 it, now that you suddenly teach in school, kids teach in school that that uh, that's not true anymore. That's uh, 
So, but there's a whole movement. I, I, I think that's a whole anti-science movement. Yeah, but but it also it also that that kind of uh, teaching puts separates man and nature. Sorry. Uh, it, that that teaching separates man and nature. Yeah. You know, in in the heads of those who hold the idea. Yeah. So so then you know, their their whole behavior throughout life is going to be to assault and attack nature and. Yeah. Know, That, that's 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 not not a good thing for the rest. Of us. So so beliefs like that and ideas like that it does affect the rest of the world. I think yeah. so. It's, it's good to good to try and yeah. try, try and do something against that. And, and what I also think is that whenever people who read science are <laughs> are going to you know follow the ideas and. and have a good sense what for example evolution is but people yeah. who don't read science are, are not going to get into that yeah. pop culture is the only way to, to, to really reach a, a lot of people yeah I, I, I certainly hope so yeah. that, that this because it is important too that, that people have a, a, a grasp of, of, of science mm. of course they shouldn't be expert or, or scientists themselves all of them but but it's still important to understand the, the nature around us and, and how it works to a certain extent can, 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 you, can you give us a little teaser for Fenris But yeah, so 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 uh, so Fenrich is 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 uh, so there's a, a a story in the past and then the the, the, the present. So in the past there was uh, this uh, wolf, or it's not a wolf. It, it's a it's a dog that turns into a so a very similar to a to a wolf. So that's that's where the title comes from. That's his Fenrich, and that really relates to what's going on in the past. So in the past, uh, you follow three different characters. There's uh, one a girl, Esther, who lost uh, her mother and is really trying to uh, get back on her feet. Uh, and then as the, the book goes on, uh, she discovers more and more about her mother, which was a scientist actually uh, at the uh, University of Southern Denmark. Uh, nice. And uh, <laughs> Esther, that, one, that one is actually local. <laughs> and, and, and then you have a, another young girl, Uh, called Cindy, which has uh, uh, a child. She's uh, really a severely handicapped child, uh, and 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 she's really struggling to you know to uh, to live this uh, single mother life with with him uh, being uh, really handicapped. But then he suddenly at, at one point shows an, a novel side of himself that she didn't expect. And and then you have this uh, grown-up man in the end that. Uh, So uh, he's working at the hospital, and, and he has uh, so he has an old debt to pay that relates back to to, uh, to Fenris. Uh, and and as the story goes on, these these uh, these three different people, their their stories merge into one, and then uh, Fenris come into play, and sort of explains why they, why they merge into one. Mm -hmm. So and and. Uh, that's gotta read the book. Yeah, yeah, Write to me and buy it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's available in Danish. It's going to be in English as well, perhaps uh, somewhere down the line. So this colleague of mine, she she moved back to Ireland. Uh -huh. uh, so uh, so probably not. Yeah. At the moment. So it took a long time to, to translate it. So we did it. Uh, so I did the first translation, rough translation. Then she, uh, you know, Boys perfected it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I will link to, to the both of those books in the in the text of this this podcast for anybody listening. Great, thanks. <laughs> But it's uh, yeah, uh, and, and I, it's something I can't stop doing. It so I'm I, I've continued and I'm, I'm writing on 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 a follow up for the first book. Uh, so with, with the same 
a main character called Martin, and he's he's uh, he's onto uh, a novel quest. So yeah, he's uh, and that goes sort of it, it draws. Uh, and also go back in his history and uh, yeah, have involvement of uh, the Hitler's Nazi. Uh, Yes, Germany and so on. So that's that's always a good thing to put in a book. If yeah. something really, really uh, the meanest people who ever walked this, this earth. earth. <laughs> well, 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 yeah. So they they were also uh, they were proponents of genetics for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah. They were so uh, yeah. But that's uh, yeah. So I, I I'm I'm writing on now and hopefully it's gonna be out. Uh, yeah, not next year but the year after I hope. For all of them uh, and all the coming books, there's definitely going to be a science part of it. That's the most important thing. And uh, actual science. Yeah. When you work in science, you work in you have to uh, sort of lure the the secrets of the nature. That means that yeah, you do a lot of mistakes. You you uh, so you you do a lot of guessing and then develop theories and then you you can they can turn out to be wrong. When you you write books. Your, uh, you, you, your theory is always right, right? You, you know that. <laughs> so, uh, so you don't make. Uh, so you're the one deciding how the story goes. But whatever science or plot I put into it, uh, based on science, it has to be real science. It has to be uh, doable, so to say. So that's also why I, I end the books with a chapter where where I comment on the science that uh, I put in the book. Philip, how did you get into this world of science? What was your motivation? So I, uh, so when I was a kid, I was always interested in nature, and uh, I recalled that for my so confirmation or this when I confirmed my belief in God as a as a youngster. So when everybody else wanted stereos for as presents for from their parents, I wanted this uh, animal encyclopedia from. Uh, a Danish publisher, so I got this. So it's a whole range of book about about the animal kingdom. So always been interested in 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 in, in, in nature and animals, especially animals. And then in uh, in high school, I had a, a teacher called uh, he was called Bjarne Paulsen, and he was you know he was uh, uh, sort of he was untraditional teacher, but he was very provocative and and, and really taught us how to. Uh, uh, you know, think in a different way, and, and he really got me interested in in, in science and and, and especially uh, DNA and and really the molecular biology of, of science. Mm-hmm. So I think that at, yeah, it's it's very much Bjarne's uh, 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 thanks to him that I, that I'm here today. That uh, so as as a kid, you're interested in the diversity of the animal kingdom, and yeah. then you go to high school, and Bjarne teaches you that it's DNA that codes for all of that yeah. diversity, and and. And at that point, what, what, of course, mingling with DNA at that point was very basic. But uh, I, I really like this concept of, of, of DNA and how how important it is and and, and what you can do with it. Yeah, it's a fantastic story. Yeah, but that, that, yeah, you know, it, it it became in childhood and then really uh, exploded during, during high school. Uh, yeah, just. Honest curiosity. Yeah, that, that's a that's a good way to. That's the most important thing when doing science. That's this curiosity. Curiosity. Indeed. Well, Philip, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having Sanspears. me. It's it's been a true pleasure. Cheers. Cheers.
Hope you enjoyed that episode of the Science of Beers podcast. If you want to keep track of, of Philip's work, uh, he's got a website, philiphallenborg.dk, and I will link to his three book publications in the description. Also, please consider supporting the Science of Beers podcast. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash science and beers. Thank you.